Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, we are, um, we, bought, we began a series last week called Three Essential Things, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And uh, I want to read it to you in the New King James Version. It says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And our heart in bringing this, this series of messages to you um, is to kind of stabilize our lives in the chaos that we've kind of encountered or we are encountering um, in, this, in this world. Right? And the deception that, that is going on. And um, if we're not careful, then what happens is, is kind of like, I, I mentioned it last week, if you were here, that there's kind of like this riptide. You ever been in a riptide before? Right? Where you don't see it on the surface. You don't know it's there. But once you get in the water, all of a sudden it starts to pull you. So it's kind of hidden underneath and it starts pulling you in a, in a different direction. And if we're not careful, we can be pulled away. Right? We can be pulled away from the surface of God's word, the God's truth, which is our very foundation, with all of the deceptive voices that we hear in this world today. Right? Because those deceptive voices, this culture that we live in, is, is pushing and is very um, trying to, to, to get you off of the target with their words and with their ideologies. Um, Making those things truth. That, that should be your truth. What we say should be your truth instead of what God's word says as your truth, right? And, and really, it's not, they don't, they're not coming with this big, big idea or this big thought or a big kind of, I, I, I wrote in my notes, this big haymaker punch, right? If you follow boxing or whatever, you know, just this solid punch to, to erase God. They're not trying to do that. But what they're actually trying to do is to invalidate the authority of God's word in your life. They're trying to invalidate God's authority over all of it. But see, really, this is not anything new because Satan did that at the very beginning. He, he came to Eve and said, now, did God really say that? Did God really have authority to tell you not to eat from that tree? But see, that's been his tactic and his plan all along. And we see this more and more in the culture today where people are going, yeah, but is that what God really meant? Is that, is that, I don't think that's what God, no, you need to believe opposite of that because that's not what God really means. And our culture believes this. And so in order for you not to be canceled, you need to believe this way. But see, it's, it's one of those, those tactics like that as old as time. I used a Disney reference, I guess, right? Or a tale old as time, something like that. But see, we have to understand that we can't afford to let ourselves drift or be swayed by the culture that we live in today, especially because we're getting closer and closer to the end that Jesus talked about. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And so we need to stay anchored to God's word, to the Holy Spirit leading and we want to talk about these three essentials. Now, I'm going to read the scripture again, but I'm going to read it in the, in the New Living Translation because it says it a little bit different. But it says this, three things that last forever. Okay? 
Three things that last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest. Now the Greek word right there for that is it depicts the most foundational piece that you can have. Right? Of these is love. So that's why we started this series last week talking about love. The love of God. Because when we really know God's love... And how far he's willing to, to pursue that love, to bring protection, to bring um, care, to, to bring provision in our life. It creates this immovable foundation in our life. It, it brings confidence and it brings trust that you can, come, you can overcome any situation that you face. Amen. Any situation. Even, in, even if you get into a place where you're in fear. Right? If you, if you rest back on the fact that God loves me so, that he, he will never like let go of me, he'll, he'll always be with me, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. When you get into that state of fear, man, you, you can like overcome that fear by knowing God's love is greater than anything that the enemy would throw. All this chaos, all this confusion that's going on, right? That, that, that really is trying to feed it to you on a daily basis. Just turn the news on. Right? And the news is like spoon feeding you. Be in fear. Be in this. Be in that. This is what it should be. This is what it should be. And we can either go, oh, I will take all of that in and that is truth. Or you can look at it and say, nah, that's not truth. Some of that is not truth. Some of that is I've got to look at, from the, look at it from the lens that God is, is saying to me through his word. The lens that God is saying to you even through your spirit, because the Holy Spirit is, is trying to reveal truth to you, if you'll open your ears and listen. But see, we can't just necessarily just give in to exactly what the news says or what other people may say, but we have to give in to what God's word is. So we need a fresh revelation of God's love, plain and simple. And as we do that... Um, then what happens is our, our, our faith and our hope begin to grow. It does. It starts to grow. And then your life then becomes impacted spiritually. It's impacted physically. It's impacted relationally. But it all flows from understanding God's love for you because you are loved. You are loved. You are loved by God, and you are God's obsession. Psalms 139 tells, tells us this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Think about that. They cannot be numbered. How obsessed God is with you and his thoughts towards you. See, sometimes we, we might allow the enemy to come in and say, yeah, see, God doesn't really think about you. God, 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 God's kind of left you hanging, right? I mean, how many have ever had a time when you just feel like God's not even on your train, right? He's not even hanging with you. He's not even around. Yet, when you look at Scripture, Scripture says, no, his thoughts towards you are, are great in number. They, I mean, they can't even be numbered. Verse 18 says, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. How many have ever been in the beach before? Right? And that's only one beach that you've been to. But count all the beaches in the world. 
take, try to get all that sand together. That's a lot of sand, and that is a lot of God's thinking about you. Please personalize that. Don't say, well, yeah, he's talking about the church as a whole. No, I'm talking about you. You. Personalize it. God loves you so much that his mind, his thoughts about you, they cannot be numbered. That, that to me, is just so amazing. And because we're God's obsession, God loves us, it drove him into action. Right? We mentioned that a little bit last week. It drove him into action to give his only begotten son as a sacrifice for us. Right? To reconcile mankind back to him. And the great thing about it, as we said last week, it's available to everyone. Not one person can be turned away if they come to God, if they come to Jesus. He won't turn them away. No matter what they've done, no matter what, what things have gone on in their life. Why? Because he so loved them. Right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Right? Put that so. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever, say you're a whoever. Look at your neighbor and go, whoever. Okay? Whoever. So that means when you're on your job or when you're out in the store and you're walking around and you see people, they are a whoever. Now, don't tell them, hey, whoever, right? But they are a whoever because God has a passion. God is obsessed not only with you, but he's obsessed with everybody. He loves people. He really does. And we have to understand that. And so here it is. This God so loved the world. Now, we found out that the love is this agape love, which is a love that loves so profoundly it knows no limits, no boundaries, or how far, or how wide, or how high, or how deep. And it will go. It will go so um, beyond anything that we could ask or think. All to show this love towards this object, or, or someone that, that the Lord um, is, is, that deeply cherishes. Right? He deeply cherishes you. So he gave his only begotten son. The other thing about agape is it's not based on, on, on conditions. Well, I'll only love you if his love is unconditional. Yeah. Right? It's unconditional love and it's an act of will. And so God said, you know what? I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you're, right, what you're doing right now. I don't care what, what you might, might do in the future. All I know is this. I love you. And so that's why we need to understand this so, so, so deeply. But see, here's the biggest thing about the obstacle that we face sometimes when it comes to God's love is that, you know what? Um, that obstacle is us. That obstacle gets in the way, right? Because why? We know ourselves better than anyone else, right? And we have this tendency to focus on our faults and our failures. Anybody ever done that before? I'm raising my hand because I'm right there, 
right? We tend to focus on those things because we're just kind of like hyper aware of what we've done and what we haven't done, right? Because the enemy will come in there too. Oh, you did not read your Bible today. So God must be really mad and angry at you. Or you didn't do this today or you didn't do that today, okay? And when we allow that all to kind of pile on, then we assume there is no way a perfect God um, can love such an imperfect person. It just happens because the enemy keeps talking and he keeps talking. And all of a sudden this guilt and this shame and all of this stuff comes on and goes, man, I, yeah, I know I get it. Pastor Scott, you said God loves me, but man, I am so imperfect. I am such a, you know, a train wreck sometimes, but how? It's because, you know what? He loves you no matter what. He loves you no matter what. And so we can't draw this conclusion that, yeah, God loves me, but man, I think he's like really disappointed in me. Or actually, he might even be mad at me. We can't, we can't allow that to happen. And, and that kind of leads us to our title today, um, God's not mad. God's not mad. He's not mad at you. And I know for some might think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so I've heard the stories of, of the Old Testament or read in the Old Testament about God's wrath and this catastrophic, you know, judgment on sin in the Old Testament. But we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Dispensation, the New Testament. And so even though sin is very real, nothing's really changed in a sense. But when God gave Jesus, when Jesus came, God placed all of his wrath for our sins upon Jesus. He placed them upon him. And it changed, listen, and it changed the way God relates to mankind forever. By God putting all of the sin upon Jesus, it totally changed the way God now relates to you and I. It totally has changed that. So what Jesus did for you and I satisfied God's wrath. Let that sink in. What Jesus did for you and I satisfied God's wrath. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. If you got a highlighter, if you got a, a thing, if you got your Bible, man, mark that. Underline it, highlight it, because I want that to sink in. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now, when I say um, no longer counting people's sins against them, I'm not saying that, you know, it's, now it's a, it's a free-for-all. We can, we can sin whenever we want to. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is the fact that, you know what? When you became a born-again believer, God doesn't hold your sins against you anymore. He doesn't. That's what Scripture said, no longer counting people's sins against them. When you come to Jesus, man, that slate is wiped clean. Now, if you don't come to Jesus, then that scripture doesn't apply to you. You getting it? 
Okay? Now, this word reconciliation is talking about making peace, making things right. So on the cross, Jesus represented you and I, right? Because of this agape love that he has for us and made things right between God and mankind, between God and you, praise the Lord, right? If you're a believer, he made it right. So God, listen, God no longer is holding us accountable. Instead, he imputed our sins to Jesus, making Jesus accountable for our sins on the cross. Okay? It's, it's, it's almost like um, Jesus became a lightning rod. Right? And he drew all of God's judgment for all of mankind's sin forever upon himself. And, 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 and it, not only did he bore our sins, this is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 says, uh, we won't read it yet, but it says, it actually says, he became sin for us. There's a difference, right? He bore our sin, but he became sin. That, that's, that's a heavy thing. He took all the judgment, all of the wrath upon himself. He took all of the perversion. He took all of the vile, the rotten sin, all, all that sin imaginable into his body. While he was on the cross. He even, right, along, he even took sickness and disease. So that neither your past, present, or future sins can separate you from the love of God. Remember that scripture from last week? That's how we can read that scripture and go, oh, that's how, he, how nothing can separate, separate me from the love of God. Because of what Jesus did, what he took. So that means God's not angry or even in a bad mood towards us if we're under the blood, if we're under what Christ has done for us, right? And there's this, this in, the, in the law, this, the law has this procedural defense known as double jeopardy. You ever heard of that before? Okay, which simply means that a person cannot be judged twice for the same crime, right? And since Listen, and since Christ was judged and condemned for our sin, you stand acquitted in his presence. You stand acquitted when you come to Christ and, and, and relinquish and say, man, I need you to cover my sin. I need you as my savior. You stand acquitted by faith, right? Because that doesn't mean all of a sudden, you know, you change and your nose is different, and your ears are different, and you got, you just, whatever. No, it's, you, you begin in faith to believe that, you know what, I have been forgiven of my sin. I have been acquitted of my sin, right? When you accept Jesus as a sacrifice on your behalf. He was, he sacrificed on your behalf, even if you were the only one. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God. And the joy of reconciliation, right? Things um, are, are being made right with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. Through him, 
We also have access by faith into this remarkable state um, uh, of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our greatest God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. So did you hear verse 1, what it said? It said, we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. Isn't it nice to know that you have peace? Yeah. Okay, so that kind of leads us, right, to the first of our three benefits that we're going to talk about that's flowing out of your life because God so loves you. The first one is you are at peace with God. You are at peace with God. So what, no matter what the enemy says, no matter what he tries to tell you, when you know that you have given your life to Jesus, you now know that you are at peace with God. God's not mad. God's not angry at you anymore. Okay? God doesn't hold back and say, well, I'm just going to let that punishment happen because I'm mad and I'm angry. That's not him. Okay? The word peace uh, means perfect harmony between individuals and exemption from wrath and anger, complete and total rest and tranquility. So, that's your relationship status with Jesus. That's your relationship status with God. So, if you want to put that on social media, feel free. Right? You ever see those social media? I'm in a relationship with Johnny or whatever. Okay? But you can put, hey, I'm at peace with God. That's your relationship status. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27 says this. Unlike those other high priests, he, which is Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices every day. Now, we're talking about Old Testament, how they had to offer sacrifices all the time. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. That was the priest. But Jesus did this once for all, meaning it doesn't have to happen again. When he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sin. Which means Jesus offered up himself willingly as the perfect sacrifice. One that doesn't need to be ever done again. Why? Because he loves you. Right? He loves you. 1 John 3.16 We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. I love how that correlates with John 3.16. But 1 John 3.16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. And so when we receive him as his gift, that he took this all on upon himself to deliver mankind, right? In faith we take it. It causes those of us then to be in Christ. That's so key. If you are a born-again believer, you are now in Christ. Almost like, I don't even know how, how you would explain it, but almost like, you know, if, if, if somebody had a robe and someone came and you covered them with that robe and you can't necessarily see them per se, but they are in, 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 in that person. 
And so because we're in Christ, that means when God looks at you, he only sees Jesus. He doesn't look at Pastor Scott and go, man, that guy's a knucklehead. I don't even know why I put him in this position. I don't know, you know, whatever. He doesn't look at that. He sees Jesus. Think about that. Because, see, the enemy will play into your mind and into your head that you are a nobody, that you are such a, uh, you know, this or that, and, and you just can't measure up, and you're this. But when God looks at you, he looks at you like he looks at Jesus. And just like, think about this, just like God's not mad at Jesus, he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. You are at peace with God, and the great thing about it is you don't have to perform, perform perfectly. Right? I mean, a lot of times we think we've got to perform perfectly in order for God not to be mad at us or not to be disappointed with us. But you don't have to perform perfectly. And so if, if you live under that, let it go. Don't, don't live under, under that pressure. That's extreme pressure. Don't live under that. Okay? But we have to realize that we have peace with God that's already been paid for by Jesus. He's already paid for it in full. And now it belongs to us as a benefit of his love. When he looks at you, he looks at you and he sees Jesus because you are in Christ. Now I want to look at one more scripture, all right? And it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And this is where the angels had this joy about them at the birth of Jesus. And in, in looking at this and saying, I thought, wow, this is really, really cool. Because I've always heard it just kind of or thought it was one way. But it says this, suddenly the, angels, uh, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That's in the New Living Translation. Or you've probably heard it uh, a thousand million times um, that say, and, and on earth, goodwill toward men, right? Now that's awesome. But here's the thing. Jesus was not sent to bring peace on earth among people. Think about it, because this is because of Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is Jesus talking. So you always think, well, Jesus he was sent in order to bring peace for people to get along and be great. But Jesus kind of counteracts, counterdicts that. And he says in Matthew 10, 34, don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Right? I mean, that's why people get so triggered when you mention the name of Jesus. Have you ever encountered that? Oh, you're bringing up Christianity. I don't want to hear about it. They just kind of all of a sudden get worked up and defend, offended and all this stuff. But see, Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to bring peace between you and your brother, between you and your sister, between you and whoever. I didn't come to do that. I, became, I came with a sword. But see, here the angels were praising God. Why they were praising God was that the peace Jesus would bring would, between, be, would be between God and man. Salvation. You ever thought of it that way? Always thought, oh, well, it's just, you know, everybody, they were going to be, we're going to be in peace. But Jesus didn't come for that. 
that peace he's talking about. Hey, we're, we're already publicly declaring, we're prophetically declaring that, you know what, when Jesus was born, that man, he's bringing peace, but he's bringing peace in order for God and man to be at peace. Amen. For God and man, for God and you to be at peace with each other because he was the sacrifice for our sin. He took all of our sin. But you know what? Sometimes, when you, again, you look at it and you think, well, man, I'm human. I, I still kind of struggle with some of these areas or even shame or, 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 or condemnation, you know, um, that, that sometimes assaults our mind. I don't know if you ever encounter that. I do at times. So it leads us to our second point because we really need to renew, the, to the, renew our minds to the fact that you are righteous. So you're at peace with God. And then also you are righteous. You are righteous. Righteousness is a gift. A gift that you and I have been given, not because of what we've done. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did for us in God's great plan of redemption. Um, Again, Romans 5.21 tells us, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, some translations call it justified. We've been justified by faith. And this justification means to declare and show by evidence that one is righteous. To declare and show by evidence one is righteous, acquitted of sin, and declared blameless because of the finished work of Jesus. So I am declared righteous because of the finished work of Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross for me when he rose again from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, I am now acquitted of everything that I've ever done, and I am now in right standing with God. Same with you. You are in right standing with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judicially be sin on our behalf. So there's that court thing again, double jeopardy, right? Okay? To be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by the, his graciousness, by his gracious loving kindness. So this, this righteousness, right, puts us in right relationship with him. I, and, 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 and I want you to understand this. It's not something you grow into. Okay? Because oftentimes we think, and I think mistakenly we have thought, that somehow we, we grow into righteousness, okay? Like based on, um, based on our works. Well, if I do works, if I do good things, if I do this, then I'm growing in righteousness. I'm showing my righteousness. But all our good works, right, and all our right conduct can never make us righteous. Can never Make us righteous. If it could, listen, if it could, we wouldn't need Jesus. 
right? All the good people. Like, you know, sometimes they're like, all oh, these people are so good. They're so kind. They're so this. They're, so, they're, they're just, you know, all, all this goodness. But still, when it comes down to the final moment, what did you do with Jesus? And so, you know what? You are made righteous already. You don't grow into righteousness. Righteousness is not something that we can obtain. We cannot grow into it. It's a gift of God. Righteousness is a gift of God. And if you are born again, you will never be more righteous than you are now. You'll never be more righteous than you are now. Even take it, you won't even be more righteous when you get to heaven. You are righteous right now in the moment because of what Jesus did for you. So you have peace with God and you're righteous. So how do we become righteous, Pastor Scott? Well, a couple of scriptures. One, by believing unto righteousness. You've got to believe you're righteous. You've got to believe that you are in right standing with God. Romans 10.10 says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Okay, righteous. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So the moment that you openly declare that you are saved, you become righteous with him. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift. He's handing it over to you because he loves you. And so now you are righteous. You are in right standing with him. And then it's uh, Romans 5.17 says, and receiving the gift of righteousness, it goes this. For if because of one man, that's Adam, trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. So we've got to believe that we're righteous when we, when we confess Christ. And then we got to start receiving it every day. Right? Uh, there was that scripture in John where it talks about the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness. Okay? It's not so much the Holy Spirit saying, oh, you're so unrighteous. You better change. You better get it, get it right. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you're righteous. And, and because you're righteous, you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to do that because you're righteous. Because Jesus made you righteous. It's not something you're going to earn. That's guy, you can't earn that. It's the fact that, you know what? I've already been made righteous because of my relationship with Christ. It says, in grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus. It's not because of anything I did. It's because of what he did. So when you're born again, you became a new person in Christ. And in this new birth, you were born into righteousness. He declared righteousness because of your relationship with Jesus. That, that's, that's transforming. When I know I'm at peace with God and I know that I am righteous, not because I've done anything at all other than put my faith in Jesus, man, that changes a lot of things for me. That changes how I approach things. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So becoming a new creation doesn't mean you're perfect. 
But it means that, you know what? You are being changed. You are changed and being changed because you are righteous in him. Again, not in yourself, and it's not anything that you can do to earn it. It's the fact that you are righteous forever. You are righteous if you, may, if you are in relationship with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay? And forgiven. He, then Hebrews chapter 10 adds, Then he, that's God, adds, it says this, their sins and their lawless, lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's God talking. He's like, hey, you know what? Because you're righteous, because you have peace with me, I won't remember your sins anymore. I'm not going to hold them against you. I, I, you know what? If you come to me and you confess your sin, I'm not going to remember them any, anymore. What happens is we remember them. The enemy remembers them. Pops up and says, hey, yeah, but you remember you did this? I can't tell you how many times throughout my week, the enemy will pop up with something that I did in my past and say, yeah, man, you, you should be disqualified because of what you did in your past. Now, not that I was a bad, bad person. Okay, I don't want you to think that. But I could be disqualified, but I'm not because of what Christ has done for me. Same principle for you. You could look at it and go, man, I, I should be disqualified. I don't even know. I think God's mad. I, don't, I, I think he's disappointed. No, 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 no. Stop. Allowing the enemy to try to rip you off of that. Because it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. But he says, I will not remember your sins anymore. That, to me, is so powerful. To know that, you know what? Yeah, I already took care of that. Right when the enemy comes, go, yeah, I already took care of that. I don't need to think about that. And he'll go, oh, no, 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 you do. No, because it's been washed by the blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed. I've been made whole. I've been made righteous. I'm at peace with God. So let me give you one scripture that talks about, man, if, say, if you, you missed the mark or, you know, you've got some unrighteousness flowing in your life, then just fix it and go to John, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So what, what replaces unrighteousness? Righteousness. Just take the un off. And so that's why we can sit there and go, well, yeah, I, you know, even though I messed up, I came to my father, I came to, to, to the Lord and said, I messed up, forgive me. And he says, okay, you're righteous. I mean, this is such good stuff, right? All because of the finished work of Jesus, he can declare this over your, over your life. Which is why Romans 8, 8, 1 says, there is therefore now, okay, and that's present tense, no condemnation, okay, and that means the sentence uh, of guilt or, or, or banishing judgment or anything like that, to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
And really, man, that's a message in itself right there. But see, those who are in Christ are not condemned because Jesus was condemned for you, for us. Man, this is like even tighten your relationship with Jesus a little bit more, right? You should be like, oh, man, this is one of those messages that, man, makes me more thankful for what Christ has, has done for me. So those who are in Christ then are not punished because he was punished for us. And see, here's the thing. God convicts us when we sin, right? But he doesn't condemn us. See, a lot of times we think, no, he condemns us. No, he doesn't. He convicts, right? And this conviction is for our profit and is free from God's anger. Now, while like condemnation, right, is opposite. It hurts. It carries banishment, punishment. And it's always been uh, Satan's attack or tactic. But see, when we choose to walk in the Spirit, we choose to walk with the Holy Spirit, man, he'll give us the power to escape this condemnation and live in the limitless fullness of God's righteousness. He will. The Holy Spirit will. But see, we got it. There's a choice there. Do you walk in the flesh? But man, the flesh is good. Look at, look at what I, look, look, flesh is great. Or do I walk in the spirit? The spirit is tougher because you know the guidelines, right? And that flesh will war against the spirit and say, no, don't do that. And the, fle- and the spirit goes, yes, he's going to do that. He wants to do that. Even though, man, you fight. But see, we've got to make a decision. What am I going to allow to rule my life? Is it going to be my flesh or is it going to be, you know, like for an example, I, I can't tell you how Sunday mornings are probably the hardest morning to get up, right? And you think, why? Well, I think it has something to do with the fact that I'm going to go to church and I'm going to preach a message, right? My flesh is like, oh man, wouldn't you like to just roll over Pastor Scott and sleep? Yeah, I would. I would love to do that. But the Spirit's like, no, get up, man. You got some business to take care of. See, I mean, I I wrestle with things like that, you know, or, oh, man, it's a gorgeous day outside. I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do that. Yet I know I'm supposed to do that because that's what what my kingdom purpose is. All that leads to our, our third and final one, third and final benefit. You are now in God's grace. You are now in God's grace. Romans 5, 2 again says, through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace. I love that. Grace is remarkable. It's a remarkable state for us to live in, in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. But I think, again, that's a choice. All of this is a choice. Because you can talk yourself out of, I'm not really at peace with God. God's mad at me all the time. Or I'm not really righteous because I got issues. Or, you know what? God's grace? Like, what? I don't, I, what? I don't even know. But see, that's where it says up here, it says we have access by what? Key word. By what? By faith. Right? By faith. 
You don't get a certificate in the mail saying, hey, you're at peace with God. You are righteous with God. You have grace with God now. You don't get that. But see, all of this is approached by faith, right? All of it is approached that way. And so we have to understand that you and I are now standing in the grace of God. And all you have need of is already freely given to you. All that you have need of is freely given to you. You know, grace is indispensable. Without it, there would be no salvation. Especially like when we're just careless with our disobedience over, with, with God, right? Because we know that God doesn't want us to do that, yet so we rebel against it or we do our own thing. But see, God's grace says, no, just come back. Turn it around. Repent. Turn around and go the opposite direction. That's, that's grace. See, he operates in grace towards us because he so loves us. See, God wants you to experience and live in the abundance of his grace. And for you to have that, okay, for you to have that is to have the abundance of Jesus flowing in your life. Is to have the abundance of Jesus flowing in and through you. Right? How do you have the abundance of Jesus? It's that secret place time. It's that time that you read your Bible. It's that time that you spend with him and and get intimate with him. That's how you have the abundance of Jesus flowing in you. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace, right, the unearned, undeserved favor of God, And truth came through who? Jesus Christ, right? The abundance of Jesus. The more we have of Jesus, the more grace operates in our life. Now, grace is is this Greek word, uh, charis, which basically means it gives joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness to life. It's unearned, undeserved favor, unmerited love. Like we just get this love that, you know, we didn't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyways. It's a blessing and a benefit of God that um, has been freely given to us. Again, by who? Or because we're in Christ. Because of what Jesus did. Right? And the more you have a Jesus, the more this grace is going to flow in your life. Romans 5.17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, that's Adam again, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign. Okay, that's that unmerited favor. Reign. We're supposed to reign as kings or, or as, as ones who walk in victory in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So grace is available to everyone who has a relationship with Jesus, right? But it's up to you and I to receive it. Again, we got to receive this peace. We got to receive this righteousness. We got to receive this grace that he has on our life. And when we, when we take it and we openly grab a hold of it, of the promise of his grace, knowing that his grace, which is freely ours, this, what, what does this grace do? 
Well, this grace is a special impartation that enables, empowers, strengthens, and enriches every area of your life on a daily basis to give you new life in Christ. Right? It's this grace. It empowers you. It enriches you. It, 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 it enables you to become like Jesus. That's the goal. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul said. Right? We are, we are supposed to become more and more like Jesus. But not only does it help us become more like Jesus, this grace in our life, this supernatural um, you know, um, favor of God that's on our life, it also helps to navigate us in this culture we live in. When we're walking in this grace. And another thing about it is just kind of this divine um, assistance that God gives us. Where you're like, man, it seems like, man, they got favor wherever they go. Well, that's because God's divine assistance is on their life. Because they're walking in that grace. There are times that, you know what, you think, man, I can't do this. Yeah, but God will empower you, enable you by his grace, and give you all the tools you need to do what, whatever it is you need to do for the kingdom. Right? So that, that, that might be a situation to where you need to maybe stand up and, and give a testimony or tell someone about your relationship with Jesus. Man, I don't have the right words. I don't know the things to say. I, I really don't know. But the, the, the thing is, we have to realize that God's already given us everything in our tool belt that we need in order to be able to share the gospel. Why? Because there's grace on your life. This, this, this supernatural divine assistance that he wants to give you. And it's not something we earn. It's something he gave because he so loved us. Which then you can look at too, this very last scripture, whoever wants to come up, um, uh, worship team, come on up and just kind of play behind me. But it gives us this last scripture that I want to cover. Because this benefit of this grace allows us then to come to God. At any given time, okay? Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace. Now notice it's not a throne room of judgment. So often we approach it that way. God, I, I, I'm just, ah, uh, you know, don't, don't strike me down with a lightning bolt or don't, you know, um, you know don't, don't be mad at me, please. But right there it says, let us come, therefore come boldly. Into the throne, man. Yeah, you know what, God, I messed up. I didn't mean to, but man, I so messed up. But I thank you that you're a God of grace, right? Unmerited favor. He just like, okay, come on, let's talk a little more, okay? But he says, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, that phrase, help in the time of need, is actually um, kind of, in the Greek, it kind of ties to this military term. And I, and I thought it would be important to share. But, but this military term talks about how when a soldier hears that his fellow soldier is in battle or is being um, bombarded by, by an enemy or even held captured or, or, or whatever it is, but as soon as that is heard, 
that soldier runs to the battle, runs to go help, runs to, to pull that, that guy out, right? So here, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us, as soon as you come to him, and as soon as you tell him what's going on in your life, Jesus runs to the battle. Jesus runs to the battle for you. That moment, because that, that, that's what they're trying to get across. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to get. That, that, that Jesus runs to the battle for you so that you can get victory. Man, I, I, that, that to me is so relevant because oftentimes we say, well, we'll come to the throne room of grace, we'll pray, and then, man, I don't know if God's doing anything. But if we take that scripture for what it's saying, that means Jesus jumps up and says, man, I, I'm in the battle with you. I'm going to do everything necessary in order for you to get the victory. But again, that's a benefit of his grace. That's a benefit of what, what he's done to us, for us. So as I close this, when we as believers grab hold of the truth that God has graciously imparted, right, these benefits, peace righteousness and grace to us it should change us when we get a revelation and we start living out of these three things it, it will change us right we won't see ourselves as maybe little or defeated believer man or or because you know we, we've we've messed up instead man we will get to kind of just begin to understand that we can move forward in assurance and in confidence that in every situation in life that God is with me. I'm at peace with God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I walk in grace. I walk in unmerited favor because of what Christ has done for me. Man, when we get a revelation of that, that'll change, I believe, our walk with the Lord. When we fully are convinced, I'm at peace with God. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what the enemy brings at me. I'm at peace with God. Man, I, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, am I perfect? No, 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 no. But I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what the enemy brings to me. I am the righteousness of God already. I'm the, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to strive hard and be the perfect person and do all these things. I am the righteousness of God in Christ already. And that righteousness compels me to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And then, man, I've got grace in my life. When the enemy comes and says, yeah, you can't do that. You can't share the gospel. You can't share this. You can't do this. No, I can't. Because I've got this grace that's on my life that God has freely given to me because of who I am in, in Christ that I can, I, can, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. All things means all things. It doesn't just mean some things. It means all things. But see, once we get a revelation of that, I believe it will honestly, it'll, it'll solidify and, and, and cause you to just walk in assurance and confidence that, you know what? God so loves me. And as his child, I, 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 I can move forward in my relationship with him in such a way that that is honoring and pleasing and it allows me to just experience his love at a greater level. So do me a favor and bow your heads for a second.
Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful that Jesus sent you to us so that you can speak, you can lead, you can guide, you can direct us. And I'm so grateful, Holy Spirit, that through this message, you're helping each one of us to understand that we are at peace with God. We are righteous in God. And that we have the grace of God upon our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to speak to us throughout this week, throughout even years, Lord, of of the importance of us understanding that it's because God so loved us and gave us Son Jesus that as we accepted Jesus now, we have all of this benefit that we can walk in and we can come against every lie and every tactic of the enemy in the name of Jesus. So grateful for that. So grateful for what you're doing inside of each one of us today. And so as we, as we get ready to leave this morning, I thank you, Lord. that you would solidify those things in our hearts and in our minds. That Holy Spirit, you would make up any any of the difference that needs to happen in order for us to truly understand the importance of this. Because I do believe it'll change our lives forever in our relationship with you. And so we thank you for what you're doing inside of us. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.